0: Every knee shall bow. South Eagle, we're so glad you guys are tuning in with us today. Uh, we're, we're kicking this off. So next week we start the journey of Lent. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's not a disease. Um, it's not a virus. It's good news. It's a 40 day journey we spend together. The early church celebrated to prepare for Easter and Pastor Scott and Pastor Steve and Terry and I, we're going to be looking at a series about living between two gardens. Um, as we get to the to the Easter message. But today, we thought we'd all be together. Um, if you're a guest here at South Euclid, we're so glad you're here. If you're with us online, we're so glad. Uh, we're in a year of vision at Garfield Memorial Church. We've been challenging ourselves collectively, as well as individually, to take that 2020 vision time uh, to reflect and to see where is God leading us. We had a powerful prayer over here at South Euclid. Uh, Rodney Dissipatis prayed today that we might be more like Jesus now than we were an hour ago. Hello. Um, you know, and, and that takes vision. That takes uh, introspection. It takes taking a look at things, uh, at how we are. And so we preach about vision in January, and we've been preaching about values. We have five core values here at Garfield. They're kind of the bedrocks. That's why we have the rocks as a theme when the people went into the promised land across the Jordan. God said, put rocks to remember what I've done in your life. And so our rocks, our core values are safety, authenticity. I preached about those two Last week, Pastor Steve, can anybody preach like Pastor Steve, man? I mean, I was out in D.C. preaching for the Lutherans. I did it, man. I did. They told me I had 15 minutes. I have my... Timer on. I got it done in 16. My wife can tell you. 16 minutes. Oh, come on. You've been around me. You know that's an accomplishment. But I preached at 8.30. I preached at 11. In between, I was running Pastor Steve's message. And uh, people are like, that's Garfield, isn't it? You guys, you guys are so... Di-. That was so fun. He preached on growth. Um, and today I'm preaching on our core value of diversity. And don't miss Wednesday. Pastor Lori is going to preach for us. Ash Wednesday, South Euclid. Come over. We're going to be here at Pepper Pike in our sanctuary. And we're going to preach on our last core value, forgiveness. Right? How bad we need that. If you need, if you need help in forgiving somebody, and maybe that somebody's you. Right? Forgiving yourself, something you want. Would you come on Wednesday? We're going to, we're going to do something very special to help you take those things before God. And and we're going to close out this value series as we begin on Wednesday. Don't miss that. 7 o'clock here. But today, our core value of diversity. Now, I have to say when I talk about diversity, um, that's the core value that people go, okay, this is political correctness. This is like the woke generation or whatever. (laughs) I want to say to you, okay, this is biblically mandated. This is a core value for Garfield Memorial Church. Because this is a core value of Almighty God. Okay? And before I share that, let me just share a story with you. Uh, This past week, I was out in Washington, D.C., Alexandria, Virginia, Maryland, my wife and I. I don't know if you know this, but Garfield is a teaching church on helping the church in America become more representative of the world. The American church has been, by definition, segregated for years and years and years around ethnic and economic lines. Do you know Duke University did a study, this was in the past 10 years, they found out that local churches in America are 10 times more segregated than the communities in which they live. Watch this. And 20 times less diverse than the nearest local school. And we've been saying at Garfield, that should not be so. We should be representative of when we pray, thy kingdom come where? On earth as it is in heaven. Read Revelation 7, 9. Like every tongue, tribe, and nation will surround the throne. We just figure we might as well practice now, right? Like people say to me, well, I'm not comfortable in a diverse church. You are going to be terribly uncomfortable in heaven. And some of you won't have to worry about that. But that's another. story. Anyhow. So I was out there in D.C. Like We had 10 churches. So every, uh, the weekend after Easter, I hope you'll help us. If you're interested in helping us, would you do that? For the last seven years, we have churches that come to spend a weekend with us and do training just to learn how to move that needle, right? And, and then Mark DeMaz and I, my buddy from Arkansas, we uh, meet with them monthly via Zoom. Then we go back in. Um, This year, the weekend after Easter, we got Ines McBride coming in, Nicaraguan pastor. She's going to blow your computer, and uh, we have baptisms on that Sunday. So, if you've been thinking about maybe reaffirming your baptism or being baptized, let us know. That's going to happen the week after Easter. We got churches right now coming from Missouri, Georgia, Upper New York, and Michigan. Yeah, we're going to let them in. Uh, We're going to let them in, but they come. And so, this DC churches came last May. And uh, they're in the Lutheran Synod, and they're learning. And it's amazing what's happened in just a year. I was out there, heard the most amazing testimony. There's a woman named Joanne. I got permission to share this. And she happens to be an African-American woman. She came here last May, and she wasn't sure how she felt about this whole diversity thing in the church, by her own admission. She talked to Terry. She talked to Kimberly, probably remember. She just wasn't sure what this was about. I went out there, and she said, this changed my life. She was called to be a juror on the most high-profile murder case in Washington, D.C. this past year. Happened to be a transgender woman of color who was accused of killing her significant other. It was very, very, uh, no good evidence on this. They felt the prosecutor was kind of ramrodding her. And she was called to be on that jury. And not only was she called to be on the jury, she said she was called to be the forewoman on this jury, on this highest profile case. And after it was over, the woman was acquitted. Thankfully, she was not guilty. She asked her pastor, can I preach at the church about this? It, she's a layperson. So hey, you've got a sermon. Come on up and I'll check you out. I'll make you do it beforehand. But, um, but she preached a sermon. And you know what she said? I read the sermon. She gave her testimony. She said, I was not prepared to be this forewoman for this case. But last May, I went to a church in Cleveland. And I got part of this mosaics thing. And I learned to see people in a whole new way. Friends, I don't know. This is not just if you're guests guest here, try rah-rah, the church, whatever. This is what we mean by widening the circle. We never know the impact. Who would have thought, by us giving and serving and praying and doing the things we did, that we might have made a dent in the highest Profile murder case in Washington, D.C. last year. And that's why when I talk about diversity, it's not our core value. We didn't come up with this, God did. And you wanna say prove it, right? Okay, I will. <laughs> we're gonna do a flyby today, man. I've got people praying for me, I've asked. Like this, I got so much scripture today. I, every point I have, you could build an oil well and dig down deep, but we're not gonna do that. We're gonna fly by. But look who the author and the creator of diversity truly is. It's God. God is the author and creator of diversity. You don't believe me? Let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, right? God created the heavens and the earth. That's everything. Okay? That's all of it. Right? Anybody understand that? Right? And God said, let there be, and you want to say, let there be? Light. Right. See, you guys are so uh, great. Um, last week, Pastor Steve made you read John 3.16. <laughs> Were you here? And then he said, now, verse 17 says, it was crickets on the internet, man. <laughs> Y'all, South Euclid, nobody knew verse 17. Right? And that's how we are with creation. Let there be light like it's done. God said it like six more times. Let there be, he said, let there be a, a dome, and he called it a sky, and let there be waters gathered, and let there be uh dry, don't do that to me, back up, on, um, and there we go, um, and let the dry land appear, and it was called earth, and, and God called the waters the seas. This is what God created, and now we can go and look what God created. He made this, and he made that, and he made those, and he made these, and he made These other slides that we're going please, right? I mean, who would have thought that, right? And when you think of a sunrise or a sunset, what do you love? You've never seen it before and never seen it again. And then it says, after that, God said, let there be um, produce and vegetation and seed-bearing plants and trees, right, of their various kinds. And so God made this and that. And those and these, right? And then God said, um, let there be uh, living creatures, birds that fly above the earth, above all the sky, and living things in the waters, right? And God made everything according to its kinds, and he made this and that. Who makes a seahorse and a blue whale? (laughs) Who has that kind of imagination? And God made this. And then God said, um, after that, he said, let the lamb produce living creatures, right? And God created this, and he created that, and those, and these. And it was, and God said every time he created, it was good. Do you understand whose idea this was? Who would have thought to make an aardvark and a cockroach? I mean, my goodness. This is the ingenuity of God. And then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in God's own image. In the image of God, He created. Yeah, not you. Not me. In the Hebrew, this is third person, plural. Who are those people to you? Huh? Right? Do you know you're those people to somebody else? Guess who's here today? Those people. Because God created them, right? Male and female, God created them, and God created this and that and those and these. And I love this verse after that. It says that God looked at, somebody say it, everything that God had made, and indeed it was. Do you understand who the core value this is? This thing called diversity, this thing called uniqueness, this thing called design. look around you doesn 't God have a great sense of humor? He made the person sitting next to you, right and you know at the end of our fingerprints, you know what it says about us? Never before, never again. God values. God's diversity. This is God's, this is His thing. But guess what? All that beauty of creation, all that everything, got messed up through sin. We know that. Anybody ever heard the fall of humankind? You probably heard it—the fall of man, because it was preached by a bunch of sexists. But it's the fall of men and women, all of us, right? Ever heard of that? Where did the fall of humanity take place? South of Euclid, shout. They're being quiet over here. Garden of Eden, right? Fall of humanity, Adam and Eve, right? Uh, Don't do this. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge they did. And that's where everything broke, right? And there was uh, sin in the world. And we lost our relationship with God. And so Cain murders Abel. and, And individual sin came into the world. And God walked in the garden. And where were they? Hiding. We lost our relationship with God. How many of you know, get ready, put out your phones, put me on the internet today, it's a heresy starting. How many of you know there were two falls of humanity? There's a second fall in the Bible. Oh, y'all are so quiet, like, now we got to decide if we can come back next week, (laughs) right? There were. The first fall was an individual fall. We broke from God. But you know, Genesis 11 said there was a second fall when we broke from one another. Read this. It says in Genesis 11, watch this. The whole world had one language and one common speech. Do you see how God created us together? In all that diversity to be together? But watch what happened. They said, they said to each other, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar from mortar. Then they said, let us build ourselves a city. God gave us a garden. Let's build a city. We can do it better with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. And God confused the language of the whole world and scattered them. See, that was the second fall. The first fall was individual. The second fall was corporate. The first fall broke us from God. The second fall broke us from each other. And we were scattered And do you know that God, when Jesus came into the world, came in to fix this? He came to set things right. He came to bring us back together. With him, with God, our creator, and with each other. Okay, Chip, prove it, I will. First, the cross of Jesus Christ brought us back in right relationship with God. We were broken. We tried to be our own Lord and Savior. We deserved to be punished. And Jesus came on the cross and gave his life, a ransom for many, the Bible says, to set us right with God so that after he died, the curtain of the temple tore in two. So we now have free access to God. You don't need me. You don't need a pope. You don't need a religion. You don't need a church. To get to God, you have free access to God. We've been brought back, bought with a price. Come on, somebody. Brought back into right relationship with our Creator. We can walk right in to the presence of God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. But He had a second idea of how to get us right with each other. You know what it was called? His church. Jesus said, I'm gonna get you right with God and then I'm going to create this movement to get you right with each other. And it was the church. He said, okay, Chip, prove that. I will. (laughs) Genesis 11, the whole world had one language and a common speech. Do you hear that? That's how we were created. What happened when the Holy Spirit came upon the church? It says, all of them, all. Do you know what all means in the Greek? All. (laughs) That's what it means. It we'll says, "Go make disciples of all nations, you know what that means? All, all of them, someone say all, all, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak what? In other languages now there were from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the crowd gathered together. They were bewildered because what? Each one of them heard them speaking in native languages, amazed and astonished. They said, aren't these guys from Galilee? Aren't they from Cleveland? Aren't they from Youngstown? That that was a plug. And how is it? I'm, I'm from Youngstown, by the way. And how is it that we hear? They were hearing their common language. Jesus Christ built his church. To bring us back together. That we might learn to hear. So you thought Pentecost was a miracle of speech. It wasn't a miracle of speech. Speaking in tongues is great. I have friends that do it. It's wonderful. The miracle of Pentecost was that everybody heard the one common language. Jesus came to build the church to redeem us from our second fall, our brokenness from one another. And then God decided, in God's great humor, to appoint an apostle for this work. (laughs) I love this. He decided to find the most chauvinist, racist, religious bigot of his time, named Paul. Well, actually, he was named Saul. The Pharisee, who woke up every morning. You know what Paul, Saul, sorry, former self, would have prayed as a Pharisee? Every morning, he would have got out of his bed, got on his knees and said, I thank you, God, that you did not make me a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. And God says, guess what, Paul? I got a ministry for you. I want you to go out and preach to women and slaves and Gentiles. In fact, I'm going to make you the apostle to the Gentiles. You know, they, I want to send you to them and build my church. And that is the word that Paul proclaimed in this letter to the Ephesians when he talks about his church. And I'm going to go to that Ephesians passage if I can, guys. Where he said, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. See, he can't leave all of his racism away. (laughs) You people Right? He's struggling. He's getting there. And then you see this. If you read your Bible, there's a big hyphen. You know why? Because he loses his train of thought. He picks this back up in like verse 21. But he has to pause when he remembers what he was called for and describe the mission of the church. He says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you? That's the mystery made known to me by revelation? Revelation? As I have already written briefly in reading this, then you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, and it has now been revealed. See, this mystery he talks about, the word mysterium in the Greek. Anybody watch mystery movies? Right? My favorite board game is Clue. I just gave you one of my security questions from my bank account. Um... <laughs> Sorry, honey, I screwed up. I won't tell him my mother's maiden name. Um, I love Clue. I love the mysteries, right? My wife hates to watch mysteries with me because when you're watching a mystery, what are you trying to do? Solve it, right? And you know me, Mr. Motormouth, I'm solving it the whole time and she's like, I'm trying to watch the movie. Can you shut up? But in Greek, the word mystery means something you can never solve. No human being can solve. It's only something that God can reveal. And Paul says there is a mystery that God has revealed to us. You know what it is? He defines it. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, those people, them, whoever they are to you. That's why when Mark and I go out and we teach on this to these churches trying to become diverse, we don't let them say Jew or Gentile. We make them say black or white. Or gay or straight. Then it gets real. See, because Jew and Gentile doesn't mean much to us. But in that day and age, that was worse than the Civil War. Like you think Republican and Democrat are loaded. You should have heard Jew and Gentile in the first century. They, those people, are heirs together with you, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. This is the mystery, Paul said. I was as caught up in it as you were. I thought it was white church and black church and Hispanic church and conservative church and liberal church. I thought it was all that. And Jesus told me one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, one God, Lord of all, creator of all. All means all. What does all mean in the Greek? All. You said y'all if you're from the south. Let's go to that next passage from Ephesians if we can. The mystery has now been made known. I became a servant, Paul said. I'm caught up in this gospel. It has captured me. I can't go back to my old way of thinking. By the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of these, he's admitting his own biases. Right? I didn't deserve to do this ministry. I was corrupt as anybody else. Right? But his grace was given to me to preach to them the boundless riches of Christ. Don't you love that word boundless? And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Watch this. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God could be made known to the rulers, to the heavenly place. Do you know what the word manifold means? Multicolored. That now... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. See, here's the deal. God said, "You can't know me if you're living in an echo chamber. You can't know me if you're only hanging out with people just like you. You you won't know the what he called the fullness." Where's that other passage in Ephesians, guys? We can jump ahead. It was Ephesians, I think, seventeen eighteen, where it says, "I pray," Paul said, "being rooted, established in love, you may have power together with all." the Lord's holy people, to comprehend what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that what surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with, somebody say it, the fullness of God. See, I'm a wasp. My my ancestors are from Germany. I'm Pennsylvania Dutch. And you know what that gives me? One little lens into who God is. But I need to hang out with my Asian brothers and sisters so I can know the breadth of God. And I need to hang out with my Native American brothers and sisters so I can know the width of God. And I need to hang out with with folks in different communities so I can know the length of God. See, you can't know the fullness of God when you hang out with people just like you. Because other people have an angle of God that you can't see. Have you ever looked at something beautiful? Like our family goes and we're looking at, you know, the Grand Canyon or something. And, you know, uh, your your son's down this. Dad, look at this. It's so beautiful. And you got run down there to see it, right? Like, because they're seeing an angle, a witness of God. Anybody bought a diamond? Anybody bought diamonds? None of you got engaged. Okay. Um, But when you buy a diamond, anybody know? Don't put the slide up yet. I want to tease them. Anybody know the four C's of diamonds? Clarity. Color, cut, carrot. carrot. Good. Do you know what gemnologists say is the most important part of the diamond, of, of the four C's? Nope. Cut. It was multiple choice. You know, like they guess first. <laughs> Your brother's like, I'm going to let them guess because they'll be wrong. I got a 33% chance. No, okay, I got. A cut is the number one. You know why? Because there really is no color to a diamond the color the color of a diamond is its brilliance right it's called scintillation aren't you proud of me doing my homework what does it mean it means the light comes in and the brilliance of it shines out and it depends on the cut they call the facets of the diamond so that the light can be refracted do you know what paul was saying i need the manifold Wisdom of God, I need all the cuts and the facets and the aspects of what people see to be in the church, to reflect what? The light, the fullness of who God is. I can't see God apart from you. That's why Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said years ago, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. And he wrote in his last book, he said, listen to him, you must face the tragic fact That when we stand 11 o'clock on Sunday morning and we sing in Christ there is no east or west we stand in the most segregated hour in America. And he said a religion true to its mission knows that this is morally wrong and sinful. And then he said these words two segregated souls can never meet God. There's a part of God that you see that I need. And there's a part of God that I've perceive that you need. Do you understand what that means? So would you say this with me? I'm going to try this one time. I don't usually do this responsive reading, but I was with the Lutherans last week. (laughs) And South Euclid, there were eight pages of liturgy. So I was a good trooper. South Euclid, I want you to say this. Let's all of us say this. Let the Manifold wisdom, manifold wisdom of, God of God be made known, be made known through, the through the church. One more time. Let, God, let, the, let the manifold wisdom, manifold wisdom of, God of God be made known, be made known through, me through me and me you and in me. God's church. Come on somebody. Let's proclaim that. This was God's intent. This was God's idea. And you know what, God, I, 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 don't always, I don't have the red telephone that some of the televangelists do. They hear from God all the time. I heard from God this morning. I was praying about this. I was thinking, God, this is crazy. I mean, our little church in Cleveland, we, South Euclid and Pepper Pike, we made a difference in D.C. And what's going on? And God basically showed me, you know what the issue of this divisiveness is in our country right now? It's, it's spiritual warfare. It's, it's, it's the work in the wilds of an enemy. If you go to West Point or the Naval Academy, you will learn the Pythagorean theorem of warfare. Do you know what that is? Divide and conquer. I mean, I, I just came from D.C. We were studying Revolutionary War. We're, my wife and I are history nerds. Look at the Revolutionary War. Look at the Civil War. It's always being flanked, right? Cut the troops off. You think the devil doesn't know this? And God basically dealt with me and said, we think it's a political division. And he was showing me this is a spiritual act of warfare to keep us from knowing the fullness of God. He is dividing us so that we can't see God. Because we can't see our brother and our sister because we're taught that it's them. And Paul says, the mystery for me, take it from me, a chauvinist, racist, bigot. And I learned that them is me and me is them. And only when the manifold wisdom of God is in his church can we know the fullness of who God is and God's intention for creation. God is redeeming us. God is trying to perfect His bride and bring back His kingdom where there was one common language and one people. And we in the church have been called to that end. Do you know what God said in Chronicles? You know it. You know, if my people were called by my name, we hear this would turn from their wicked ways and pray, right? I would heal the land. You know that verse that's quoted a lot? It's usually with some patriotic flag waving, which is garbage. This is about all the kingdoms of the world. But listen what God said. He said, if my people, not those people, not those Republicans or those Democrats or those people, not if that culture or this culture, not those pagans over there, not those people out there in Las Vegas, but if my people who are called by my name, If they would turn and humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven, and I would forgive their sins, and I would heal the land. This is our work, friends. This is God's core value. Will you commit to it? Will you say, Lord, here I am? Send me. Let me close with this. I was in a seminary in Princeton, New Jersey back in 1990, and I had a good friend of mine. He was from Africa, and... He was a PhD student, and his son was being tested in world history, and, and uh, he couldn't learn his continents. And he was upset. He said, my son needs to learn the continents. I'm like, he's five. <laughs> like, when I was five, I was lucky to name one state. You know, we were having this argument, and he, well, he told me something happened. He said he had a National Geographic. I don't know, millennials, Google that. It used to be a magazine with pictures Um, and he tore out a picture in in National Geographic, and it had, like, all the continents on it. It was like a world map. And he took scissors, and he cut it up, and he said, son, I want you to learn these. And you put it back together and tape it up, and then I'll know you know the continents. He said, Chip, I set it down the floor. I figured I'd leave him for 20 minutes. He came back in, like, 30 seconds. And it was all taped up perfect. I said, son, you know your continents. He said, no, Daddy, I... The family. It was the family. See, on the back of that picture, there was a family. And he and cut up. He said, I just put the family back together. And when they came back together, guess what? The world came back together. This is God's idea. Let's commit to it. Would you do me a favor, uh, South Euclid? Would you guys stand up? We're going to stand up here, at Pepper Pike. Let's do this together. Will you stand up? And and if you're an introvert, do like this, just nod at somebody. (laughs) Like, I I, I love my blues, I'm a yellow, I love my blues. But, you know, just like, no. But if you're not, if you would have the boldness to do today, somebody near you, whatever, just, I I want you, when I I say go, hug somebody, high-five somebody, bow with somebody, and just say this word, together. Together. The enemy tried to tear us apart, but we're going to stay together. I'm going to get Marvin Gaye up here. <laughs> Let's be together, man. Let's stay together. Let's let the manifold wisdom of God be made known. And as we do that for just a few seconds, when Justin leads us and Jess and Brian, when they lead us in this, this statement in South Euclid, when Dre and Leah lead you, would you sing the words? Let it be our manifesto to stay together. South Euclid, we're going to let you guys go. We love you. We'll see you next